0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Today is a fantastic day, and here's one reason why a smile never goes out of style. Make sure you put on a smile today as you enter your day, because remember, don't get caught up in the little things you can't control. That's just wasted energy. Now let's get this party started.
1: It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. I don't need nobody to tell me who to be. Don't need nobody to tell me
0: what I see. I don't need nobody. Welcome to the Crude life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spease. That is Sterling. We are playing hard here in the first hour, and then on to the second hour, where we're going to work hard, but first hour, we're here to play hard. Sterling, how are you doing this morning? Doing great, Jason. Happy to be here. Look at that. We actually have the mic on record, and it's funny because we're only a few minutes in, and then we realized, oh, it's not recording, after we got done joking about how one of our pilots, we didn't record it either. Or either. So (laughs) it was ridiculous, redonkulous, even. So, welcome to the Crude Life Morning Show. We like to have a little bit of fun here in the first hour, and then in the second hour, it's off to right down to work. We're going to talk a little Bitcoin in the second hour. Tom, the Great American Mining. It's been going up and up and up. We actually had them scheduled later in the week, but we bumped them up because it's just doing so well. Russia has now started to go into the Bitcoin mining as well. Tom and Great American Mining Company. They are doing some out in the Bakken where they're doing emissions management, flaring, taking it, converting it, mining Bitcoin. Magic. Don't know how it happens.
2: Yeah, but Tom was pretty good at explaining it. Otherwise, yeah, it's like black magic to most people.
0: It is. it's it is. Mm-hmm. It's You think of like a big giant shipping container, put on a well, and all of a sudden you get a Bitcoin.
2: Well, yeah. When Tom was able to talk about the connection between what you do with the spare gas and how that translates to power, which then powers the computers, which then mines the bits, that blew my mind.
0: All right. So that's what you just said is way too... Nerdy for the first hour here. <laughs> Sorry. I wish I had some drops. I just, Nerds! <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds. You know, like hey, we're. I was told there'd be no math. We're here to have some fun here in the first hour. I've got my coffee, so I got to drink a little bit here. But uh, what else we got coming up? Coming up in just a bit: email, texts, and Pony Express. We still get letters occasionally. In you the still mail. do get letters. Also coming up in just a moment or two. What else do we got coming up here? Oh, oh, we got well, oh, We got to mention our sponsors here today's sponsor american directional driller thank you american directional driller the 40 foot tape measure that weighs about five pounds thing looks bulletproof man that's if you ain't got any brass knuckles around that thing will come in handy on your way to the parking lot this
2: is 40 foot of pipe measuring awesome
0: it really is
2: yeah this Pile
0: is pileusa.com and it's a not only is it durable, but it does quite a bit of stuff for the oil and gas it's industry. Kind of why the tape is the extra eight feet is needed, and we're going to be measuring some things throughout the year with the forty-foot tape measure from American Directional Driller, PileUSA.com. Of course, the links are available at the website, and that's our sponsor of the day. By the way, we have a new sponsor every day here at the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. So if you'd like to sponsor. Be sure to email us, studio at thecrudelife.com, studio at thecrudelife.com. Now, we're time for our social media shout-out. Ready? Ready for our social media shout-out? Who are we thanking today?
2: We are thanking Jeff Roach from oh. Houston International Equipment.
0: Our good buddy, Jeff Roach. Yeah,
2: Jeff sent us uh, two awesome hats here and a note saying, Jason, hats for you and Sterling. Thanks for being a voice, Jeff.
0: That came Pony Express.
2: Snail mail. Snail Meat mail space. Baby. <laughs> but swag look at this these are nice do
0: you ever send a letter by the way nice hat. we got to take a picture i'm gonna put mine on too yeah. take a picture of it bills uh, i think you know, you know what we let's do let's measure the hat with the 40 foot directional drilling tape from american directional driller and put that on the show page too and then we'll put the hats next to each other And then measure that too. Okay, never mind. Brainstorming session, done. There are no bad ideas in brainstorming. What was the question I asked before? My ADD kicked in with the brilliant idea. (laughs) With the brilliant idea to measure We're talking
2: about our awesome sponsor here, Uh, Houston International. We're talking about letters, right? Oh, Oh, yeah. This came in, Pony Express. We're talking about getting letters in the mail.
0: Do you know how just... How how much you make a person smile when you get a letter? Like, when you think about it, okay, like, and I don't know if, you know, millennials and Gen Y and zombie Gen, what are they, Gen Z zombies? I, I don't know. I'm Whatever. X, man. Yeah, anybody under X, okay? If you're in the Gen X or above, which would be the baby boomers and elderly, sorry, the... Young adults. No, what are they called? The, uh, what, are they? what, middle-agers? No, the older Boomers? people now. They're not called, they can't be called aging or anything like that. They got to have some positive spin. You know, name. we
2: fall into that demographic now more and more. Just let you know.
0: You might, but right? I, I don't know what you're talking about. Just because I'm 28 and 48 months. Right. You know, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know if that math worked out there to my favor or not. But okay, the point is that when you really think about a letter, Okay, think about what Jeff Roach did.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, he had, to, he had to, he wrote, he wrote, he didn't type, he hand wrote.
2: Yeah, something we don't take, you know, we take for granted now is the idea of the time it took to do that, you know?
0: They don't even teach kids cursive anymore. No. I mean, seriously. I know. So,
2: we had to Jeff it.
0: Roach from Houston International Equipment hand wrote on a note to us, put his business card in there.
2: And we had an excellent conversation with him.
0: Put it in a box, labeled it, mm-hmm. brought it to the. I mean, that's a lot of steps. Yeah. So even when you think about a letter, you got to go find an envelope. You got to write the address on the envelope. You got to lick a stamp, pull the stamp off. Whatever you do to the stamp, you got to put. A yeah, I don't stamp think you lick them anymore. No, I don't think so either. I think after that uh, Seinfeld episode where George Costanza's. Oh, where his uh, fiancé died? died. Yeah, The the stamp industry said, we got to change that real quick. Man, I missed that glue. That was good stuff. (laughs) About 200 people coming. (laughs) Expected a big guest list. (laughs) Anyway, but that's a lot of work. So, Jeff Roach, thank you very much. And by the way, we're going to check in with Jeff Roach as well because uh, he came to us through the North Face controversy. Mm -hmm.
2: North Face, Bulwark. Bulwark.
0: Yeah. Fire-resistant clothing. Mm Mm-hmm. And update on that, too. Yeah. So this is like major update session here. So uh, in talks with them again. Now it's, we're in talks with Bulwark, not North Face. So we didn't get to North Face, but the Bulwark people have reached out after I said they ghosted us, yeah. which
2: they did. And they kind of have to at this point well, reach then they, out.
0: Then they've circled back. Or I don't know if they heard the interview or they got some flack or mm-hmm. if, you know, if Jeff Roach said, hey, hey, talk to this guy, which he might have. But uh, this week or I believe it's this week here on the Crude Life morning show yeah. during the play hard portion.
2: Yeah. So if anybody's sorry, got some the questions, they should get them into us at the studio.
0: Yeah. Studio at the Studio at the If you'd like to send us questions for one of the executives over at Bulwark, which, you know, I'm, I'm going by the last email. And mm-hmm. the last email was they were set. We were setting up a time to have one of the executives on during our work hard portion of the morning show here, which of course you can find those interviews isolated on the crude life.com as well. Our phone line sponsors, sponsor, Swan Energy. Thank you very much, Swan Energy. If you have any sort of investment questions or like to do any sort of investing, reach out to swanenergy.com, swanenergyinc.com. And uh, we have links available at thecrudelife.com as well on our show page. Okay, the Moody River Band is the music you're hearing. Also, what else do we got going on? Okay, uh, Sterling, yes, by sir. the way, uh, just to recap, give us your uh, Daharan, uh, just an overview of where you came from, the American Compound, And all that for our listeners for the first time.
2: Sure. So uh, in uh, 82, my dad got a job over in Saudi Arabia working for Aramco, uh, what became Saudi Aramco. And we lived on, uh, I think it was the largest compound that Aramco had. They had about four at that time. Daharan uh, lived there for about a decade or so. My parents over 20 years. And uh, yeah, so grew up basically in an oil and gas compound that was part military base, part uh, Norman Rockwell, small town America, mixed with an international crowd of people.
0: Was there like a fountain? Like a
2: physical fountain?
0: Like a fountain in the Mm, center of town where you all had to go and get your water?
2: No, no, no. No, actually, we had, uh, let's see, like four different Olympic-sized pools and recreational compounds, tennis courts, basketball, racquetball, all free. Oh, wow. Uh, All that stuff was free. There were snack bars everywhere. There was... Yeah, it was... uh,
0: You went to school there.
2: Went to school there. Yeah. Public school, international students. Yeah.
0: Were you a student of the American education system? Yes.
2: It was an Americanized education system. Most of the teachers were American, although some were international. Yeah. Uh, Pakistani, um, some Brits, uh, Australian. But yeah, it was kind of a mix.
0: Yeah. And so... The other, th- the other reason why this is interesting from my perspective is because uh, here at The Crude Life for the last year, we have been kind of paving the way to introduce more of an international network, international exposure, international audience. And Sterling is part of a group of uh, Saudi Aramco brats. And give us the, the uh, rundown of what a Saudi Aramco or no a Ramco brat, not a Saudi Aramco right, brat. Right, makes you right. sound like a terrorist. Or yeah, something I know. like that. Well, you know, it's like. Do it, you guys it, ever get that? By the way, like because uh, you you grew up there. You know,
2: I I've I've often wondered if I ever got flagged after you know in the decade or so after nine eleven because uh, because of my prior international travel. You know, going from the United States to Saudi Arabia right. by myself, you and know? they might not, and usually say, just for a couple of weeks at a time.
0: It might not say, you know, like. Um well, if you, know, you didn't, if you didn't know why I was Astrid going there, Dad worked for oil yeah, and gas. Like, yeah. oh, who's this? Right,
2: because it's not the easiest country in the world to get into, although it's opened who's up a lot. This
0: Arizona more. kid that keeps going back and forth to Saudi Arabia.
2: I want to say every time I have left from Minneapolis or and Fargo, I have gotten essentially strip searched. I mean, basically, oh, real? well, you know, I get the uh, they tear through my stuff. They they put the stuff on your hands to see if you've been handling uh, explosives. You know, so that's why I wonder if some of us uh, that oh. lived overseas maybe got flagged
0: now because i work in oil and gas yeah yeah, now i just get that regularly no you know you go to you go to boulder colorado you get that when you go to the denny's yeah
2: i know nowadays (laughs) yeah it really sort of depends right well you know uh, yeah so let's get back to the aramco brats Brats Brats. is you know it's basically a group of uh (laughs) You know, expats, people that grew up, people that worked there, uh, you know, like me, that were just children of people that worked there. And you're talking about 70 or so years worth of history. Uh, And so it's a pretty large community. There's several thousand on Facebook, and there's got to be closer to 15,000 or so overall would be my guess. You know, any one given time that are still alive and and in the system. But, uh, you know, it's just sort of a shared, unique experience. Um, And I think that's one of the things missing today from the oil and gas leadership is sort of a you know, humanizing what the oil and gas does, what it provides, the community that is available there, the support networks, you know, none of the opportunities that I've had in later life would I have had if I hadn't grown up overseas.
0: Well, what I think is so interesting about you and what you represent on this program, because you you represent a point of view that I think is very important and it's really missing in oil and gas. I really, truly believe that, which is... There are people that are very much in favor of a lot of the things that oil and gas are doing that have really never worked in it. Yeah. You've never worked in it. No. But no. you grew up in it. Mm-hmm. So it would be like, you know, say you know, j- tiny down there in Louisiana who's, you know, been a roughneck his whole life, who's got four kids, who's, you know, who the kids grew up in it, but as soon as they left they never worked in it again. Yeah. But because they grew up in it, it's like, for me, I get agriculture like that because I grew up in agriculture. So I, hey, let me tell you something. Agriculture, most dangerous industry for decades. And it might Absolutely. even still be. Yeah. I mean, and and when, a lot of times when a tractor rolls over, they don't even count that as an agriculture accident. That's like a vehicle.
2: That's Tuesday.
0: Well, it's like a vehicle accident. Right, so it doesn't even get in the correct category. Uh-huh. That's what I'm saying. So there's certain certain ways that actually agriculture was much more dangerous than what they even led on to. So I I get it. You know, I get some of these things. So what my point is, is that when you grow up in a certain industry, you have a respect and an understanding for it. And that's what I found very interesting about what you have is because, you know, you said you worked at Walmart one day and I looked at you and I said, I don't know that many people that I've ever worked at Walmart. (laughs) Like, really, I don't.
2: You know, what you get, at least with a lot of the people I'm friends with, that we grew up overseas together, or people that I knew, is uh, you get fairly, I don't know, libertarian or independent or liberal mindset, but having grown up in that environment, you've also got a pretty practical, moderate look at how oil and gas impacts everything we do, you know? And so that's what I think is missing, is it's like, people that have grown up and have benefited from it are the best uh, ambassadors for being able to say, hey, it's not, you know, it can't just be black and white evil, you know, mm-hmm. and good. So I think that, you know, that that's the message that I hope uh, people like us can have on that and impact on that is, is is saying, hey, we're regular people that have fairly liberal views, maybe compared to a lot of people in the industry, but we also have a respect for the industry and what it can do.
0: What I find interesting about the, the network that you're a part of these these Ramco brats. Is there's a whole second, third, fourth tier network beyond that, which who knows what it is? Because you guys grew up in Saudi Arabia, so who knows what kind of sheik connections you guys have? And sheik <laughs> is wordplay. That's right. you know really yeah. cool, yeah. but also actual sheiks. And you know they're very active in the oil and gas, but also major investments in the United States. They've in the last ten years. A lot of uh, uh, Saudi Arabia entrepreneurs have found their way mm-hmm. to to America. And when you take a look at, like I say, you, you just take an average, you know, three kids. Well, two of them maybe still work in the oil and gas industry. One doesn't. And that's what that part I think is interesting about the Ramco Bratz because... Um, or the Ramco brats because not everybody works in oil and gas no. in that in that brat system or whatever No you're
2: talking like. about you know somebody who may have lived in Dahran and worked for 20 years as a doctor or a dentist or they were a teacher or they were a custodian that was brought in for the schools or you know so you had an entire and These
0: guys are part of that network yeah, too. Yeah
2: this is an entire community from law enforcement on up basically that is was all because of Ramco the whole reason it existed it was a planned community
0: that's just amazing to me. And it started out as a couple trailers out in the desert and yeah. now there's golf courses and schools and
2: Oh yeah. It's I, I I don't remember exactly, but I think it's something like fifteen square miles or so. You know, it's it's a decent sized place, but
0: And everything was pretty much like like America on that yeah. compound, that yeah. base that that town yeah call it a town really. well like
2: uh, one of the email questions we got was you know was Where were, is it? Well, oh, we're women able to to drive we're previewing oh, there, sorry so. yeah
0: oh one of the pre one of the questions coming up is okay yeah. will yeah, are so, women able to drive
2: yeah were they able to yes. Yeah, okay so.
0: well we'll wait till the okay. uh, just tease it yeah yeah I mean, <laughs> we should stay somewhat in the format in fact we probably should take a break here as i'm looking taking a look at the clock and i'm noticing i am gotten some texts coming in and i got to Few other things happening and what's this? We have the Houston Inter Houston equipment, right? Houston International Houston Equipment.
2: International Equipment. Yeah. Yep. These are awesome hats from Jeff Roach. I just happen to throw it on
0: again. So okay, let's take a quick pause and when we come back, let's do email text and Pony Express right here on Oh, and we got news, Newspeak, and what's it? Rumors. Rumors. News, rumors, and newspeak. That's another segment we have. Plenty of that going around. And uh, I think we have one more segment today as well, don't we? Um, take a look. Oh, Challenge of the Superminds. Or is that tomorrow? Either way, we'll figure it out here during the commercial <laughs> break. <laughs> Folks, my name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling. This is the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. Right here on the Crude Life Media Network.
1: It's time to let on the crude life play hard work hard it's sponsored in part by
0: if you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them swan energy wants to talk to you today give them a call at 866-539-0860 that's 866-539-0860 Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today.
1: Play hard, work hard.
0: Welcome back to the Cruise Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. We're still in hour number one, and so we're playing hard this morning. What do we got coming up? We got a little myth-busting coming up. We got to come up with a different name, though, because of myth-busters. Um, they're pretty litigious, I think. I'm assuming they are. Yeah, I would see. I'm, I'm that assuming name most like that? are litigious. <laughs> People can be quite litigious. Uh, Sterling, that's the voice you heard over there. Mine is Jason Speece. And what do we got coming up here? Myth-busting. What else? We got emails, texts, Pony Express. That'll be coming up in just a moment here. And then we have news, rumors, and newspeak coming up. Today's news, got some good stuff today. That's uh, What do we got? We've got, uh, I think there was, is it the incident in Colorado? Was that? Anyway, there's all kinds of different things. You know, Earth First doing some... Domestic terrorism? Yeah, or the not. vandalism that shut down power and gas to uh, about 3,500 people. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. And it's a little interesting, you know, when I think about it, because especially what happened in D.C. You know, the word domestic terrorist is being thrown around now quite a bit. Yeah. So I'll be curious to see what how they label that in uh, Aspen, Colorado. Where Earth First uh, basically created a power outage, 3,500, 4,500 people or something like that. Anyway, we'll get to that a little bit later on, talk about that as well. Sterling, of course, comes to us through Daharan and Saudi Arabia where he spent some time uh, growing up His dad. We just talked about that in the last segment. And what do we got Uh Rumors. Let's get into that. Or should we get into the emails and newspeaks? Should we do that? You, got to, no, I'm, you I'm down. I thought we were going to do some myth busting. Let's do that. Okay. We'll get into myth busting. Nobody wants to do the other one. Okay. We'll do that. All right. Did you know? Did you know the Great Wall of China is visible from the moon? Eh, it's not true. Not true? Not true. No man-made objects are visible from that far out in space. According to astronomers... Why astronomers? Must be astronauters. (laughs) It's about as visible as a popsicle stick from 240 miles away. Hopefully, that's not astrologers. It's astronomers. Okay. (laughs) That one threw me off because that's what I thought. Astrologers. I'm like, why are they asking astrologers? But um, anyway, remember the old alligator shirts? Hell yeah. I had a couple. They don't have alligators on them. Wait, what is that? It's a crocodile. Oh, come on. Yep. Rene Lacoste. Lacoste. A French tennis star known as Le Crocodile invented them in the 1920s. I had a bunch of those shirts. Those were great shirts. The myth, the sardine is a species of fish. The word sardine actually refers to any breed of small fish, including herring and pilchard. That's been, that's been stuffed into a can. So it's really more the size.
2: Okay. So if you can put it in a can and salt it, it can be a sardine.
0: P-I-L-C-H-A-R-D. Okay. I've heard a shard. Shard. Yeah. C-H-R-D. Yeah. And chub. Chub. <laughs> S-O-S. Do you know what it stands for? No, I don't actually. S-O-S, you know, when yeah, you're yeah. lost at it's sea. A, it's, a, it's an emergency. I've heard two different ones. Is it Morse code? It's Morse code. In distress? S- SOS stands for Save Our Ship. No kidding. And I've also heard Save Our Soul. Save Our Soul. Doesn't stand for either or either. What it does stand for is nothing. It was selected because it's easy to transmit Morse code. Three dots, three dashes, three dots. Three dots. Did so you ever learn Morse code? I did learn Morse code for about 20 seconds. <laughs> And then I realized how ridiculous it was because of, well, I, I mean, you know, I was like in fourth grade and I still had a computer.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, we, we, we learned about it a little bit in Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts. That's what but I learned. Nothing about. Yeah. stuck. Nothing. It's like Spanish. I took four years of that. I don't remember anything.
0: <laughs> I was more interested in the knives and the fire. Yeah, exactly.
2: And, and the cool knots you could do.
0: Right. And, uh, yeah. That sort of thing. Well, I'm not race sure cars. the cool cool knots have ever been used in the same <laughs> sentence, but they were right here. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the term I O U? Yeah. Okay. And what does it mean? I O U. Apparently, it doesn't. I O U does not mean I O U. Great. Originally, the borrower wrote I O unto. Followed by the person's name, so unto used to okay. be I O U stands for I O U. I O U. But it's the letter U, not the word U. Okay. Unto. it's kind of like understand. This is like understand. Like yes, understand. you got to go stand under yeah. the word stand. So it was like a foundational in, thing. Right? In order to understand. Right. Okay, geek out. Geek <laughs> session here. The word understand means um, you have to understand the root of where something comes from. And the, the example people give is that a house, you go under the house to take a look at the foundation. Okay the stand. And the, that's bat the bat phone. phone. Bat phone. Oh, Tiffany Wilson down in the Permian. We better take it. We better take it because Tiffany Wilson is one of the good friends of the crude life with the... She's a crude life sister. How you doing, girl?
3: Did I make it online?
0: <laughs> you are live on the air right now as we're speaking. Sterling is joining us. You've not met Sterling yet, but he uh, lived in Saudi Arabia for his childhood on an oil and gas compound known as Daharan. Well, hi, Sterling. Hi, Tiffany. Nice to meet you. Can you hear him okay?
3: Are you Sterling Silver?
2: <laughs> Sterling Brown. <laughs> Sterling Brown, actually. <laughs> Pure like listen, silver, though.
3: Listen, I'm making a little side cash today. I've got... It's snowing here in Texas. And I've got the tubes out, Texas tubes. Everybody's going down the little hill by my house.
0: The Texas tubes? What's that?
3: Well, they're inner tubes that you float down the river, but we don't ever see snow, so I'm <laughs> Every kid that comes down the street is five dollars. I'm making always on the sales hustle.
0: Nice, nice, nice. By the way, how are sales doing, Aries? How's Aries doing? You guys, you guys still renting some homes out there? Some temporary housing?
3: Yeah, yeah. So we're doing real good in Texas. We've seen a little slump in North Dakota, but um, that always happens in the winter. I'm, I'm, besides everything going on there. So we'll hopefully see a pick up come spring, summer.
0: Yeah. Um, how about down in the, the, the Permian down there? Oh,
3: yeah. It's picking
0: up. It's rocking. Permian's rocking? Yeah. Okay. So talk to me about the podcast you got coming up. You and the uh, girls are going to be going on to a podcast here this week?
3: Yes. We're going to go on to the Black Gold podcast with Stephen... Claiborne and it kind of started from you actually Jason you know we uh all of us came together and we've always we've always kind of stuck together you know girls can be we can be nasty to each other at times. <laughs> <laughs> so um one thing that we learned in the oil and gas industry is try to be kind to each other and stick together and um with the help of you you know through your podcast um it helped promote us to other areas so we're pretty excited
0: about that well good i wish you guys luck and you know me i'm all about you know the more the merrier strength in numbers and you know the less judgment the better in in the world so you guys go out and spread the good word and everything and so by the way sterling one thing we've got coming up very shortly with him um you might want to stay tuned and listen to it here but uh in Saudi Arabia, you know, we've got a question about whether the women can drive. Did you were, were you aware that uh, women could or could not drive over in Saudi Arabia?
4: I had no idea. I'm still
3: I'm still learning myself.
0: Over there, there was a there's it was a big deal. In fact, um, I learned about it through the WWE pro wrestling because they do these annual big circus, bigger than life events over there, and it took them like two three years to even get a woman to perform fully clothed like no skin showing at all perform in front of the uh saudi arabia crowd because of just the culture they have over there so uh, sterling's going to talk about that a little bit later it's very interesting very interesting so
3: no driving in saudi arabia
0: sterling okay give tiffany a little preview
2: (laughs) well you know i lived on a compound uh that was pretty much like an American okay,
3: okay hold on you lived in a compound
2: yep think of it like an American base okay you know okay, gotcha. uh, you
0: know so, so it, had, th- it had schools it had hospitals actually <laughs> Tiffany think about one of your temporary housing places you know where you've got a small community of 500 people living together
4: okay but,
0: okay, but times it. a thousand with with golf courses and schools and pools and things like that oh <laughs> yeah because it started out as two trailers in the desert and now they got golf courses and private schools and everything else so go ahead sterling oh yeah so you know when you lived on the compound people like my mom
2: and my sister they could drive on the compound but if you left the compound women were not allowed to drive and i think it was just recently that women have gotten permission to drive and even then they have to have a man in the car with them um Yeah, so, yeah, you know, growing up in basically, like, small-town America, smack dab in the middle of Saudi Arabia.
3: Is it just part of the culture, or is it for safety reasons,
2: or... It's part of the religious culture. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, when you lived over there as an American expatriate, you you kept your religion pretty much to yourself.
4: (laughs) I I
3: understood, understood. I'm catching on.
0: So like the 1970s <laughs> in, in America. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we had our
2: churches. They just weren't, they didn't look like churches. They looked like conference rooms. They were uh, portable buildings, usually. Yeah. You know, things like yeah, that. Yeah, I so. know a lot about portable buildings. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do.
0: So, <laughs> by the way, uh, give yourself a quick plug how people can get in touch with you if they want some portable buildings. You know me, I can't miss an opportunity to help someone out. Portable buildings. T. Wilson
3: at Area com or you can go to AriesResidenceSuites.com, AriesBuildings.com. Uh, you can catch us anywhere. Google Aries, and you're going to find us all over the map.
0: And when's the uh, podcast that you guys are going to be on this week?
3: It'll be this Tuesday around two p.m. Okay. Uh, we've got myself, Vicki Leach. You know Vicki Leach real well. Uh, we got Bernadette Collins, Yuri Nunez. She just moved over to San Revolution. Uh, she's taken over with the West
4: Texas beaches, we call
0: it. <laughs> she should do real well. We, you know, we had a, a frac sand guy on the crude life not even a month ago, and he talked about how the shift now is to Wex Texas sand because the, the, the sand up in Wisconsin and Minnesota, it's too far to ship. So oil and gas companies are saving like a half a million bucks on each well now. Uh, by by shifting to the West Texas sand, but they, the the difference is is they they got to get some filters and a few other things because um, the sand is not as spherical, it's not as cir- circular and spherical. <laughs> so anyway, but there's there we got to yeah, look at that we're working a little bit we got to stop this go back to playing yeah, in the snow. Right. We're playing in <laughs> the snow. We're doing West Texas sand beaches and sand castles. We're building sand castles. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a good time. So. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll catch up down the road again, Tiff. But Thanks for uh, calling in. Good luck on the podcast. and um It was nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you, Tiffany. Good luck. Good luck. Stay out
3: in the compound.
0: <laughs> we'll talk soon. Thanks, Tiff. All right, bye. Tiffany Wilson with Aries. Building's calling in on the bat phone, and they've got a... Let's see, they're on a podcast this week, the West... Texas, uh, Crude Life Sisters are going to be down there just moving up and down. I mentioned that sand thing. and That's true. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember the gentleman's name off. T- Danny Skiff. Danny Skiff. Uh, that's who I spoke with. And he flat out said they're saving half a million bucks in each well now because of the Just for the quality of that? Well, it's a transportation cost. Yeah. And, you know, because the weird thing about the sand is, is the more it's shaped like a a ball like a sphere like a yeah. sphere you know perfect sphere i guess the better it is because there's you know you you've got to filter it out and and there's like um,
2: more consistency to it or something there's
0: screens you okay. know yeah i mean well it goes in a blast and it fracks and things and i, I i'm not now you're getting down to the molecular which i'm not going to get into yeah. because people are probably already saying shut up yeah shut or they're up. just asleep <laughs> you're going the wrong way already <laughs> And you're boring too. <laughs> so there's a lot of reasons I'm going to shut up with that. But anyways, half a million bucks they're saving, probably more now. That's after. what it, you know. That's what it means in the end. All right. Well, we're going to take a brief pause, and we're going to come back. Oh no, we got to do one more of these. Let's just do one more of these MythBusters because I I need to feel like we should end on the MythBusters, right? Yeah, to be well served. What okay. do you got? D- but first, I should probably find them. <laughs> Where did they go? I love all the prep work you do. Do <laughs> you like that? I mean, where's <laughs> my mic? What happened to my mic here? Like,
2: <laughs> this is Gorilla Podcast at its best, really, uh, folks. It's, uh, you know, it's it's natural. Very. It, it kind of is. It's in the moment.
0: So which one do we have? We had the... Um, oh, we were talking about
2: uh, things visible from the moon. okay. IOUs. And it's not the changing new language. Word, right? No, right? No, untold, unto, untoward. Chinese checkers
0: were invented in China. I've got, that's got to be false. It's too obvious. Right? Right? Nope. Yeah. No? It's like, fr- it's like French fries. I don't think we're in right. France. Yeah. Um, anyway. Hamburgers. Chinese checkers were invented in England in the 1800s. It was originally called Halma. Halma? Yeah. Huh. Goats can eat anything, even tin cans. I've learned- seen them try. That's a myth. Okay, but I have seen them try. Even if their jaws were strong enough to crunch metal. Goats hate the taste of tin cans. I, I feel like I didn't need that oh, being told to me. I feel like there's just another thing I have in common with a goat. I just I just feel like you know that I, I, a goat would need a tin can. I think I know that, but uh, maybe not anyway. so uh, okay, let's do one more. Are you ready? I'm ready. You can tell the age of a rattlesnake by counting the number of rattles.. It <laughs> has. Yeah, I'm gonna get that close.
2: <laughs> Excuse me here. Hold on for a second. I'm going to use my uh, American directional driller tape.
0: So that is a myth. Yeah, okay. The truth is the number of rattles a snake has does increase with age, but not at a uniform rate. Snakes shed their skin more than once a year at the interval varies each individual snake. All right. There we go. My Double. brain just broke right there. Thank you. It did. It got a little. Is too, this the uh... work
2: hard section? We should bring Tiffany back. Yeah, I think so. She's, she yeah. brought some liveliness to
1: everything.
0: She did. All yeah. right. Well, we're going to take a brief pause. We come back more on the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason peace That is Sterling. This is the Crude Life.
1: We need to. The Food Life. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by...
0: If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. The Industrial Forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out the industrialforest.com. That's the industrialforest.com.
1: Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome
0: back to the live morning show, play hard, work hard. Myself, Jason speece That is Sterling. I think I should have had a word before myself in there, or a different word, but hey, that's the way it goes here in the morning. Got my cup of coffee here, crude cup of coffee, as well as... What else do we got here? We got some, oh, looks like some cookies this morning. All right. Yeah, we got all kinds of people stopping by here this morning. Grand Central Station here at the Crude Life Studios. But Sterling, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jason. Glad to be here. This morning. This morning. Yeah, it's been one of those mornings. Well, it's part of our, you know... Kind of a shortened news segment because it's it's not really our news segment, but it is a news story. News, excuse me. News story. There's certain ways to say news. Don't want to have a covered O like a Canadian. Eh? A <laughs> uh, news story here where it talks about some vandalism in Aspen or out in Colorado. What's first of all? What's the news source? Uh, Okay, this comes from the Aspen Daily News. Okay, so most people would consider that mainstream news or traditional news, correct? Uh, Yeah, I guess so. Not fake news. I'm not even sure what fake news is anymore. Well, I think we're going to do a lesson here. Okay. I really do, because I I skimmed that story. I did not read it. Mm -hmm. I skimmed it. So I created fake news in my head. So you've already (laughs) got it all figured out. I've got the whole (laughs) thing figured out. So I'm the fake news here. All right. i'll have you start with all right it. <laughs> let's do it well some vandals happened. no so what, what, what does it say first of all first paragraph let's okay take a look. so it looks like about
2: 3500 customers were left without heat or hot water on saturday what's being characterized as a criminal incident okay so it was three different black hill energy sites that were vandalized
0: okay and how are they vandalized does it say well you know it says
2: that uh, the heat and hot water were turned off um there was some graffiti left on some of the equipment. And the graffiti said, Earth First? Earth First. Exclamation point. Exclamation oh, point. Excuse me. Earth First. Yes. Earth First. Yes.
0: And is that a uh, group or is that a statement of political action? I guess I'm not familiar with Earth First. Well, the article seems to talk about the fact that they don't want to
2: characterize it as eco-terrorism or a terrorist act because the Earth First group is not really a group so much as individuals. So lone actors is what they're saying, um, but you know it sounds like the police.
0: Wikipedia Earth First! Exclamation point is a radical environmental advocacy group that originated in southwestern United States, founded on April fourth, nineteen eighty. By Dave Foreman, Mike Roselle, Howie Wolke, Bart, with something. Click here for more Wikipedia. Okay, so that's uh, (laughs) that's what Earth First is today. There is Earth First. So apparently, it's been around since the 80s. Yeah. Okay, but it is. It's like a peta of. The environment, yeah, it, that's what it sounds like. They're, as far as the radical environmentalist, if
2: they were the ones who did this, right, and and then that's what the the police, uh, Aspen police, were saying is that they don't know if it was an actual individual that associates with that group or somebody just using the term Earth First. Um, but yeah, so the website so actually what, what says would the difference
0: be there. I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, if I pound on my chest and put my hand up in the air and yell, "Hail Hitler!" Does it matter if I went and raped and pillaged that village? No, I don't I mean, think so.
2: I think what the point they're making is that they don't really have an organization that they can go to and say, did you do this? So they're looking for right now, it sounds like a lone individual based on footprints in sure. snow, the pictures that they've got. Uh, but you know, it, this is interesting. This is from the Earth First site. It says, um, Earth First is a belief in biocentricism.
0: Okay, that, so they have a website beyond
2: yeah, Wikipedia? That life on the Earth comes first and a practice of putting our beliefs Beliefs into action. So I'm just wondering if how does that reconcile with potentially harming or killing people by removing heat in the wintertime? Well,
0: I'm look at you. You're on the same fake news that I'm on. (laughs) Well, Because my fake news was what I skimmed was, and I didn't see this in the story. Mm -hmm. Radical group takes heat away from citizens in the heart of winter. That's what I read was that. And I don't see that framework. I don't see anything along those lines. All I see is the environmental versus oil and gas angle being used here. When a media organization, and I don't know if the Aspen Daily has has done this, because like I said, I skimmed the story. I didn't read it. That's why you're here to read it. I, I didn't see in there where did it address at all that, okay, This is a serious deal here. Oh, yeah. And and
2: yeah, they did. I mean, they were talking about, you know, the the
0: heat angle.
2: Yeah, they were talking about that. Um, Actually, Black Hills Energy apparently brought in about 4,000 space heaters for the community. Um, well, there's your headline right yeah, there, and that's really you know. So, th- while they're trying to deal with the problem, they're they're handing out these space heaters. Looks like they ran out within about an hour, you know, in terms of how many people needed them. Um, but yeah, they're talking about the the types of laws that have been broken. You know, there's there's uh, twelve years for you know disrupting an energy source or a, a utility. Yeah. So right now they're, you know, they're calling it serious crimes. They're saying it's endangering utility transmission, presumptive penalty of uh, four to 12 years and up to about $750,000 in fines. This is disturbing because this is. um, Yeah. When you start taking heat away from people in the wintertime to try
0: to make a point. Well, listen, it's obvious that the people aren't thinking. This is what countries are first radicals or whoever Sierra clubs and PETAs and all this. They're obviously not thinking PETA, for example. Okay, they're... they're What they're doing is impacting the, the, the food chain and the economic supply chain, okay? But the average person has a lot of options to eat. There's not a lot of options how to get energy or heat into your house. Yeah. It's a monopoly in a lot of communities. Yeah, and that's and it, a whole
2: other argument Well, that's, itself. it's, it's yeah.
0: designed that way, mm-hmm. and there's some safety guards and that sort of stuff. It's just... It's hey. gotten out of hand lately, but but my point is, is though this is one of those things where they're, they're acting like a PETA environmentalist type of a radicalist, but the person that's getting hurt here is the person, and somebody could die.
2: Well, yeah, I'm thinking about you know my grandma or grandpa dealing think, with something that's like that. What I'm my seeing. my my sister that's you know has trouble moving around lives in assisted living. You know what. Why are these people being targeted for something like that? Okay, so right now, yeah, that's right, Frackleberry. Right now it's 30, de- 30 degrees in Aspen, and it's snowing. So yeah, I'd say you'd want some heat.
0: Is there an environmentalist on our property? <laughs> no, I think it's a Actually, climate drug. activist is the correct terminology. Climate. Yeah, because, listen, there's a lot of environmentalists who love the environment, but because they don't vandalize and and spray paint earth first with an exclamation point they're not considered environmentalists by some so the correct terminology is climate activists Hmm. and there's a lot well you are you an environmentalist i say i'm not sure how you define it i care about the environment you do and i I know you do so i would call you an environmentalist Mm -hmm. but a lot of environmentalists wouldn't because you don't pay a monthly due you have to pay a monthly due to the Sierra Club or whoever club. Right, yeah. Okay, I've actually adopted a highway on my own since 2004, and I got the proof to prove it. It's right there. I've seen it every day I drive out of town. Very clean stretch of highway. I got good real estate yeah. on, a, on a federal highway. Yep. Interstate, baby. So I've got some good real estate for my name showing the world that I've been an environmentalist since <laughs> well, 2004. But I got people on my dating account saying, you work in oil and gas, swipe left. Buddy, Well,
2: and you're doing something and you have been doing something that, you know, it's, it's micro macro. It's what can you do in your immediate environment to make things better? And it sure as hell isn't going out and trying to take electricity, heat or power from somebody. Right. You know, so there's ways to make a positive impact and there's ways to just shout and you make one side happy. You make the other
0: side hate you more. What's the
2: cost? What's the the benefit? Where's
0: the value in that? What's the headline of that story again? Because. I'm, I'm very curious. Actually, the headline is The Big Chill. Okay, that's, that's clever. Okay, mm-hmm. um, but it seems a little bit um, soft news for a hard news story. I'm sorry, but 3,500 3, people without heat, that's a hard news story, okay? 3,500 people impacted by environmental terrorist. Is a news story. I'm sorry, not environmental terrorist, a climate activist. What, what? I mean, if it's not an environmental terrorist, what is it? Well, and that's the thing. It's, it's just a, an environmentalist. It's a
2: term. It's a term. You know. No, it, so it, so no, what but, they actually but, say here? This is what the sheriff. This is what the the Pitkin County sheriff. We should uh, get him on. Joe DeSalvo says. He said, "I know the word's been thrown around a lot." That's a really e- good name. What's his name? Joe DeSalvo. That's a good name. A Joe DeSalvo. That's, that's a good police was there, name. Was there
0: a Okay. All right. You want to read the quote? Well, there's two capital letters in his name, D and then the S. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? No, go ahead. Am I not pronouncing it right? (laughs) No, I just, it's a very cool name. What it says is is I know the word's been
2: thrown around a lot and he's talking about eco-terrorism. It's not the word I would use to uh, characterize this event. I would say it is an intentional act to disrupt gas service and the surrounding area with felony level criminal nature. Do you think attack? He says, I think attack may be a mischaracterization, at least from his perspective and somewhat hyper hyperbolic, you know, uh, so it's. it's I, yeah, I read that. It, as, you know, it, for me, it comes down to it's a crime. It doesn't matter right. really who did it or what they represent or who they say they represent. It's a crime.
0: What he's saying is that he thinks the intent was at the oil and gas company, and that's when the idiot stopped thinking. Mm-hmm. He didn't, right? That, that's what they're saying is that it was at the oil and gas company and not the people. That's yeah. why it's. And that's yeah. so what he's saying is that these people are complete idiots because they don't understand how an energy company supply. <laughs> well, seriously, otherwise, he'd have to call them a terrorist because when you, I'm sorry but if you take heat away from 3500 people yeah how I mean that's that's a huge news story man much more than a soft news headline like the big chill yeah no kidding, when I saw many, it I was, I, well
2: I was thinking about the great movie
0: that's man. what I'm saying it's you know you look at that and you've been in a pandemic mode for a year yet I'm sorry you're like oh let's put that movie <laughs> in <laughs> So okay, what what was the was there a sub headline? How long did it take before the the news story actually talked about how the Black Hills Energy is it Black Hills Energy? Yeah, Black Hills Energy. Uh, they actually supplied heat. Yep. Because they're contractually obligated to do so. By the way, I mean think about the the that I mean the monopoly that they have is so. Symbiotic, because I'm not a big fan of monopolies, but I'm I'm okay with the, uh, with with the energy one because there's generally some pretty good safeguards in, like they have to go and bring a bunch of generators and heaters in and that sort of stuff. And this is a they should be really they should be applauded through this now that I'm starting to get on my soapbox here a little bit, and more and more because this story really is protecting um, the environmentalists who did the damage more than anything. So. Um, Go, sorry, go on with um, what you were going to say. Oh, no, I'm just, yeah, that's exactly
2: what it sounds like they did. The Black Hills Energy Company came in. They brought in uh, what would total 4,000 space heaters uh, starting at about 5.30 p.m. on Monday.
0: You think they got those right in a warehouse or what? Well, no,
2: it, and we, further down it says they got 400 out first. Those were gone within an hour. Then they started getting additional shipments in. So they were having to bring them in probably from all kinds of different sites. Uh, And it looked like by about 7 p.m. on Monday, they got most of them in and distributed.
0: And luckily, Aspen is on a major artery, too. Um, Is it 70? I believe that goes through Colorado. Yeah, I think so there. And through Grand Junction. And so it's a... It's very, very lucky of that, too. I mean, imagine if it was, you know, down in Durango or Taos, New Mexico or something like that where it's not uncommon for a road to be blocked in by snow for a few days. Well, and these are the types of areas, you
2: know, we live in one where you can get a storm all of a sudden where there's a day or two where, you know, there's nobody... Plowing. They haven't yeah. gotten to your street yet. And it's okay because you got heat and you got hot water. If you don't have those things, it gets really cold really quick in these houses.
0: Back in my award-winning news days on KFGO, uh, when I was part of that team, um, we actually we had a storm. We, the state, in North Dakota. There was a storm that some people down in the southeastern part of the state— didn't have power for over 30 days because, you know, like the, the ice storms are worse than the snow because yeah. the ice comes in and it breaks power lines. And then the snow came in afterwards. So what happened is, is boom, their power got snapped. And then this huge massive, like 36 inches of snow came in. You can't know? even get to it. Couldn't even get yeah. to it. And these rural people, I mean, we're talking like 12, Houses maybe total right. that went, maybe six that went without power for 30 days. Mm-hmm. and But they were fine. They were calling in every day and giving us <laughs> updates. And, and, you know, they became the most popular people for 30 days. Well, they're probably
2: also more people that are going to have maybe some backup, some resource, something to help them out, right? Because well, they they're became, already living out in the rural areas. And
0: you've seen that show on, uh, on, on cable television called uh, Alaska, the last frontier. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you've seen yeah. uh, with the Kitcher family. Mm-hmm. It was a lot like that, but on radio. Sure. You know, okay. you, Potted meat. <laughs> I mean, I haven't heard the word potted meat since I was a kid. It, it makes
2: and, you think survival, doesn't it? Potted I actually,
0: I, I I looked at. Um, you know, the potted plants differently. I could not figure that out as a kid, like potted meat. What does that mean? (laughs) And so I'm looking at house plants and trying to figure that out. And then I realized what it was. And I'm like, I I like spam, right? Basically. Yeah. It's, it's, it is. It's It's the process. It's canned meat, but it's, it makes that, there's all that gelatinous and just the whole, just the, the fatty part. I cannot get past. I just cannot get past that. It's tough. You know, I think unless you were brought up with it, I don't mind spam. I mean, back I, you know, as far as back in my meat-eating days, sure. when I was doing that, that sort of thing. I didn't mind spam in a pinch. Uh, yeah, it was fine. I mean, I, I didn't buy it, didn't keep it around the house or anything like that. But I it was I, I didn't you know I wasn't like ew gross because I knew a guy loved spam sandwiches, loved them. He oh, would, the... he would do it on the griddle, yeah, with um, cheese. Mm-hmm. Oh, for disgusting, but. He loved them. When you went to Hawaii last time, that is yeah. that,
2: they that it spam's huge there, right?
0: Yeah, that's part of the, uh, you know, part of the American culture. That's mm-hmm. how, that's what I took away from Hawaii. Hawaii's really interesting. So folks, I'm going to sidebar here for just a second because Hawaii is two volcanic plumes. They meet under underwater and basically they form this black rock, ig- igneous rock or what is it called? The uh, obsidian I think rock is oh, what it's maybe, called. Yeah, the left The volcanic yeah, rock. The and cry. so that that's what Hawaii was. It was just a big, giant black rock. Well, then through time, birds would poop on it, mm-hmm. and birds had seeds. And then uh, driftwood would bring over lizards, and lizards would be on birds' back. So for years and years and years, Hawaii was built by birds and lizards. Wow. <laughs> so then man came, and... We brought, you know, the, the natives brought in some pineapple and, and just sort of things. We kind of agriculturized mm-hmm. it and that sort of thing. Well, and America came. Yeah. Okay. And then America came. <laughs> we brought a nuclear bomb. We brought in Petco, which crashed. And now the island is riddled with cats because it was the only animal they couldn't get. Uh, and we brought Spam. Macaroni salad, four things. <laughs> so uh, we that, that's what the American culture basically brought Hawaii. The rest was... Like, when you go, there's birds everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Just birds everywhere. Yeah, and when you, you,
2: you fresh food, right? Right off the beach, that type of thing? Uh,
0: yeah, I think... Yeah, I believe you can just go ahead and pick an avocado out of anybody's tree. Amazing. Just like on the boulevard, because right. it's, you know, like a boulevard. It's owned by the city. So you just, you know, pick it out because they're plentiful, that sort of things. Uh, but it's, it's very unique island because what are you 2,000 miles from Los Angeles 4,000 miles from Japan yeah, kind of in the middle of nowhere it's, it's the most remote island on the planet really yeah it is wow. and, um, and and you feel it yeah. you do feel it anyway so oh and the, the petco story was interesting because uh, back in the 80s a petco, plane crashed and all the animals got loose it's okay. like a disney movie and most of them got eaten or taken care of or caught except for the cats mm-hmm. so one night i'm out it's like two in the morning i'm kind of going outside for a stroll stretching my legs a little bit and i'm talking with the neighbor who's outside having a smoke and all of a sudden i see in the corner of my eye it looks like you know frackleberry hound a good-sized dog walking by mm-hmm. in the uh condominium plex across the street in the parking lot and i go was that a dog? Because it looked like a cat. He goes, no, that was a cat. And I go, that thing was as big as a black lab. And he goes, oh, that was a small cat. What? Like, what? <laughs> He's telling me the story about the Petco thing. And, well, you know, the, the cat is the number one killer it's on like, the planet. It's like the alpha predator there. It, as yeah. far as... Most animals, and that's where they, the the house cat is actually the most vicious killer. Go Google it right now. (laughs) It it kills songbirds and mice and all these different things. It's the most vicious killer. And because it has these, all these cool instincts about it. And so these feral cats are all over the place to where they have an island. Malachi, it's not the, I think it's a leper island or one like where they, you know how they used to put the lepers? Yeah. They it's have like an island quarantine. where they just yeah. put the cats. So cat
2: island island. So it really is a cat. Cats,
0: island. yeah, and you know, obviously the birds kind of stay away from there. Yeah, but there is a B and B that you can go and stay on, and go walk amongst the cats the and wilderness. be with the cats. Oh, for disgusting! I mean, it's. I stayed at a hotel once where they they put a cat in your room. I, I I didn't. Yeah, they didn't tell me that till later. I just looked at them and I'm like, <laughs> "What like, are you talking?" Like complimentary cats. You, know? it's like you a the coffee maker. Cat. Walking by and there's this yeah. big giant room just full of cats. Oh man! And you can pick just one out. Just pick if you one want. out. Comfort Zzz. cat. Yeah, it was down in um, oh, someplace on the Mississippi River that is really well known for uh, Wabasha. Okay, they Wabasha. Wabasha. Known for eagles. Okay. And so it's known. Anyway, so, <laughs> it's some a b- geographical b- journey right some now. Some b and B. A a buddy of mine was was managing, and so I booked a room there and went down. It's, he didn't tell me it was a cat hotel. It's a cat hotel. And, uh, well, I wouldn't either tell any of my buddies that I'm managing a well, cat they're, hotel. Well, they're servicing a niche market there, right? <laughs> I I'm- to surprise him and I got the surprise. <laughs> night, I was so worried about that all night. That cat would just come on me during the middle of the right, night. Sit on your face. Like, where did you put it? Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. But <laughs> what did we start on? We had an original story that we were yeah, getting. Yeah, well, we to. were talking about energy. Aspen mm-hmm. and uh, what's going on with the eco terrorism and the climate activists and that sort of thing to where. It's it, it's very careful how you phrase things, especially with law enforcement. I find that, and I'm not I'm not criticizing the the uh, sheriff for kind of clarifying though no, this is not eco terrorism. What I took from that is that, no, he's being very clear because domestic terrorism is now a thing. Ego terrorism is now a thing. So we got to be very careful that we don't just start sensationalizing from the police force out of the gate because, oh, boy, the red meat on that. Now we got a cop saying it. Now we got to share. It. You see what I mean? So yeah. and, and it's like, like he just didn't want to start to escalate right. until they knew more about it. And anyway. they might reverse it and yeah. they'll come out and say, okay, we've now officially declared it as this. My, my, it's, my, it's scary ahead. how easy it can be shut
2: down because in effect, what it sounds like is the vandalism didn't actually shut anything down. They didn't damage anything, but because it was discovered the energy company, Black Hills Energy, basically, they've got a policy. They have to go through a process to restart. They have to purge the system, and they got to start it all back up. And then they also have to go out and do uh, relighting on appliances that are out there, you know, that need to be lit. They, they don't want the customer to start lighting a pilot light. So... Black Hills Energy does this shutdown because they're worried there might have been tampering with the system. They have to make sure that's
0: premeditated, then. Yeah, that's, well, that's knowing the system that's, the logistics. Yeah. And that's yeah.
2: that's kind of frightening is, that, you know, as easily as I can grab a, a can of a six dollar can of spray paint and I can potentially shut down a utility. I don't have to blow anything up. I just right got to right. make it sound like it's
0: kind of scary. Well, this is another one of those, those uh, protest measures we talked mm-hmm. about um, in the pilot. So if you want to go back, and it's either pilot two or three, uh, we talked about how there's kind of um, unique forms of protest that is going on in different areas and one of them an example that is very easy to give is is that if you want to go and infiltrate and slow down a company Well, you go and accept a job, and you're going to make 10 widgets in an hour based on $15 an hour. And pretty soon, you're only making five widgets an hour. And not only are you, but you're getting all your workers around you only to make five widgets an hour. And this would be along those same lines where you know how to manipulate the system. You know how to protect... You know, where uh, uh, a sheriff will come out and say, no, we're not going to say it's eco-terrorism because at the end of the day, it could have been just spray paint. Yeah. And how can we say that is eco-terrorism because it's just it's it's a prank that's gone wild. Well, and that's something, too, is it's like
2: if it whether it's a prank or not, it's like uh, it's kind of scary to know that it's that easy. Right. Because, you know, it sounds like what, what they have to do now is they have to go through each one of those homes shut the gas off, repressurize the whole system, go back into the home, turn it back on.
0: So yeah. real labor intensive. Oh, totally. And that's that's um, that's sad, man. Yeah. And so there's so much more to this story than what the mainstream media is getting you. And there's so much more editorializing that comes from us. Well, <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we, yeah, we
2: take it and we start running on all kinds of directions, mm-hmm. you know. So maybe that's why the sheriff's trying to do is be like, you know, let's keep it to what we know.
0: Well, oh, he has to. Yeah. He has to, especially in that environment, in yeah. that state. Yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? I mean, you got the, the governor trying to shut down the industry. He's just trying to keep people's homes heated. And well, now he's got to go and deal with this. And this is what? We're,
2: what, a week into 2021? Not even? Not so even. Colorado will be interesting to watch
0: this year. Oh, without a doubt. Well, there we go, folks. There's our kind of our little bit of a side of news, rumors, and newspeak, where we just kind of like to talk about some of the news stories. and what, what, Is it news? Is it rumors? Or is it newspeak? And honestly, this one, there, there was some serious news in there. But like I said, I was a little bit perplexed that such a hard news story, mm-hmm. from the vandalism point of view to the, like you brought out, I would argue that the headline should have been, now that we've just discussed it, Anyone with a can, can of spray paint can shut down 3,500 people's energy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, are you kidding me? That's, that should have been the headline right there now that I'm thinking more about it. Well, you know, obviously they're going to have to go back
2: to the drawing board and go, okay, we need a bigger fence. We need to actually have security systems in place. They do have cameras. You know, they were able to—they just didn't—they saw footprints is basically all they have evidence of right now.
0: Yeah, it's and, and now we're getting to the point where— um, you know, listen. The, the, the energy companies don't me, need me sticking up for them, but when someone's getting picked on, that just is not right. Well, it's and for me, they are getting picked on, and it's a perfect example of you can you can
2: hate what oil and gas does, right? If you're. If, if you just want to blame them for all of the problems of, if the you're planet. a keep
0: it in the ground if, or an earth right. question, if, sure you exclamation can you, point. you can
2: you can blame them, but in the, in the end we still all need to be able to turn on a light and get some hot water and hopefully some heat. So I don't understand what the end game is there. You know, do you want everybody to to freeze to death?
0: There's there's a lot of ethical and humanitarian debates that go into this whole fossil fuel argument that Mm -hmm. is not being mentioned at all in the mainstream media and i'm i'm i think we got to start holding our politicians a little bit accountable on that and i'm gonna i might have to start with the ones that i know Mm -hmm. and 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 bring them on the show and hold them accountable here honestly
2: And in Minnesota and in North Dakota in particular, you know, we're, we're going into there's going to be new energy regulations. There's going to be the market re- recovering from from covid, from the pandemic, from all
0: that kind of stuff. What are Kramer? What well, are, Hovind, gonna what are say, these guys going to do? You know, somebody like Kramer, who is on Fox News every week now, mm-hmm. somebody, you know, we're to bring him on here and just flat out say, listen, Let's start changing the conversation, and we need your help to do it on Fox News and MSNBC and CNN when you're on these different platforms. We need your help to say, okay, no, it shouldn't be that it's the big chill. Look at this clever headline we have. No, it's that either it's this easy to shut down the system because of the system we've created, or eco-terrorism can shut off Thirty five hundred homes with a can of spray paint. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it needs to be a different conversation than ooh the big chill.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, well, and it, because you know, it's like it, from the energy company's point of view, I'm sure they're going, okay, we can see the the vandalism, we can see the spray paint. What can't we see? Could
0: you, you imagine, find yet? Could you imagine being an employee of these energy companies trying to deploy? that many heaters yeah. in the world of COVID when you can't be six feet from anybody on these jo- I mean, it... Well, yeah. at a time of
2: year where you're not going to walk into a Lowe's and easily find a space heater for sale. Yeah.
0: I mean, I kind of wish I had it on film. It'd be like Keystone Coppers a little bit because, you know, they're just... You know how it is when you're changing oil going 90 miles down the interstate. Things just don't go right. Yeah. And you just hope to <laughs> God nobody's filming it because they- are not going but at the end of the
2: day you got to get the job done yeah and it sounds like the community's really stepped up local lodging hotels motels are offering free lodging people are offering to pick up groceries for people you know so they're
0: pulling together on that side well folks thank you very much for emailing us that story at studio at the crude life.com studio at the crude life.com if you'd like to email us Any other stories, but uh, that is Sterling. My name is Jason Speece. We're going to take a brief pause, and we come back. More of the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard, right here on the Crude Life Media
1: Network.
0: Food Life with Jason Speece. Thank you for joining the program today.
5: You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years.
1: I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything that people tell them.
3: We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us. And especially you, Jason, without without your help, I don't think our event would be as at-
5: successful So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. Well,
3: we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff
4: like this.
1: Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often.
3: You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can see for my 20 companies, they take it very serious.
1: It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good
5: show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you, you ask important questions that uh, that lead to the most important truths. Hey,
1: this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. I'm Jason Spies, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world.
2: No one does an interview like Jason Speece.
3: We all like living the crude life, so.
1: <laughs> the crude life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by...
0: If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too.
1: Give them a call today. The industrial forest.
0: It takes an industry to build a forest. industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out industrialforest.com. That's
1: industrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard.
0: Look at that. We got great levels for Mr. Tom Massero. And can you hear us okay?
1: Wonderful.
0: Awesome. We tried out our new phone system here, our Swan Energy phone lines here in our crude life studio and we're actually going to have a, a new studio coming up in about 90 days well a different studio as well so sterling's joining us and uh thomas are great american mining company give us an update if you wouldn't mind from shale play usa how are you guys doing out there
5: we're uh, doing well seems to be a lot of excitement uh going into 2021 lots of producers uh have perked up now seeing like the the recent rise in Bitcoin pricing, um, as well as kind of maybe an uncertain future in terms of like overall price uh, of gas and, and oil going forward. So, yeah, we're, we're expecting a big year.
0: You still got some work in the Bakken?
5: Oh, yes, sir. Multiple deployments.
0: Uh, quick little elevator pitch, you know, that type of thing, you know, the 30, 60, 45 second version of uh, what Bitcoin mining is out in the Bakken oil field.
5: Yeah, it's simply this: uh, we're taking, uh, in most cases, stranded gas uh, that is not connected to a pipeline, and giving the producer uh, value for it. Whether it's in the form of Bitcoin or we just pay for uh, the the gas itself, and then we take that gas on site, through and uh, put it through a natural gas generator, and then it powers these twenty or forty foot shipping containers that are glorified. Uh, data centers. Uh, they have a lot of computing power inside that protects and verifies the Bitcoin network, and that's how it's all done uh, on a well pad. Um, so that's that's what we're doing right now. We've basically validated this use case uh, all of last year. There's a couple of us that are that are up in the Bakken playing, and uh, we believe that the Bakken has the best landscape for this particular use case moving forward due to its um climate advantages rather than you know than texas uh and we believe with the flaring caps um it's more about oh
0: frackleberry hound he's in studio yeah,
5: no yeah, no worries,
4: no
0: worries. Yeah, yeah. Um, and th- but I should mention, though, the, the headline on this is Bitcoin Solves Flaring Issues, or, you know, another solution to emission management. And really, I, I did want to, you know, do that bullet point because at the end of the day, that's really what the benefit is to the producer, to the state, to the environment, to the consumer, is that this is another one of those solutions to help with the overall you know, a uh, cornucopia of uh, emission management options out there. Isn't that true?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, our company and, and and myself has a little bit more of a contrarian take where I think Bitcoin mining is, um, you know, sort of what I would call a Trojan horse. Uh, and, and the Trojan horse is, hey, we help out on the flare mitigation side of things, you know, from a solution standpoint. But our big picture... Thesis is that these particular units become digital pipelines in the future. So we believe in a future where there's no need for a pipeline to be uh, developed all the way up to a newly drilled well. We believe that putting these units right on site will be better economic, I'm sorry, better uh, environmental stewardship. Rather than building, you know, thousands of miles of pipeline and all of the other issues that come along with that, you can get, for a producer, you can get more value for your gas turning it into Bitcoin than you can sending it into a traditional pipeline structure. So we're probably years away from that reality ever really being kind of realized, but um, that's kind of our, our view on things. And yes, the the flare mitigation side of things is a great introductory kind of like step in that direction but we do have bigger goals
0: Sterling, what do you think of that? Digital pipeline. That's what I was going to channel Larry King for a second and say, digital pipeline, expand on that. But you actually answered the question before yeah, I got He did to, expand on yeah, that. Yeah, he did yeah. expand on that. You expounded on the expansion of the pipeline. Uh, d- digital pipeline, Sterling, what do you think well, of that? It, it,
2: it's a fascinating concept. I, I really had no idea that that was being done, and it seems like a, a pretty cool use of available resources. I'm kind of curious, though, is it, you know, if if that is sort of a roadmap to the future, is there ever a worry that if everybody's doing it, that it saturates the market? I mean, is, is that a concern with Bitcoin that it can become devalued, I guess, because of the number of people mining it? Or is it is the value increased because there's more uh, coin that's unlocked? I
0: guess that's that's how does Bitcoin how does Bitcoin constitute value and and keep it its value?
5: Sure. So. Bitcoin keeps its value by being scarce. So it is not it it doesn't react to external forces at all, right? So it's going to the way that the computer algorithm works is that every 10 minutes it's going to dish out a preset amount of rewards to the miners or the protectors of the network every 10 minutes. And that number will not change no matter how many folks are on The network or not um that will that in and of itself has driven kind of the growth in the value of bitcoin over the past couple well over the past 10 years in and of itself um what i see for the future is much like shale when shale gets kicked off it's the people who are first into it who do the best because just like in shale or any other type of um, exploration kind of process, there are other market forces at work. So, for example, eighty percent of our capex—maybe not eighty percent—seventy percent of our capex when we're building one of these containers is the little machines that we call miners. Um, so we've seen almost a eighty to ninety percent price um, jump in the market prices of these machines so it can be like that too when people are laying a bunch of pipelines and compressors are all of a sudden hard to find price goes up um so just that element to the supply chain will not facilitate the ability for every single oil and gas uh you know producer to be able to do this at one time because there simply aren't enough machines that could actually allow them to do it and it's and it's not cheap by the way either these are you know, for about a megawatt worth of capacity, which in MCF terms is pretty close to about a right around 200 MCF at around 1,500 BTU gas, uh, which isn't a lot, right? 200 MCF a day uh, is about a million dollars for us to get the, you know, the the CapEx to, to be able to do this. We do believe that price will go down as, like, you know, Orders of efficiency work and, and whatnot, but um, you could see why it would. It's going to take a little bit of. Uh, I wouldn't say a gamble on the oil. And- the oil and gas producers' part, because I I do think they're very forward thinking in terms of an industry because they're usually forced into innovation, um, but it's it's still a pretty big capex resource, and so I still think what you're seeing right now, and what we've seen, is uh, producers are are dipping their toes, saying, "Hey, we'd like to have a box out on our unit. Um, let's see how this works. Let's get comfortable with it." And I think you know, within the next twelve to sixteen months, you'll start seeing larger and larger deployments of these units. Um, so the one caveat that I would add that the oil and gas space has an advantage of over every other uh, energy resource that does Bitcoin mining. Now, mind you, people mine using coal power plants in China right now. Uh, hydro is the uh, is the other large um, energy source. And then uh, we've got um, uh on grid power so you know places like texas are a hotbed because they have they have their own grid and they have an excess amount of uh capacity in their grid system so they invite miners to come and they'll take right off the utility pole so uh the one advantage oil and gas folks have is that they have the ability to have the lowest marginal cost of electricity production as it gets larger which in which that allows them to do, is to be able to mine profitably when it's more difficult to mine, i.e. when the price dips and it's not as much of a gravy trade.
0: <laughs> so I did want to ask you about your prediction that I poo-pooed immediately last time you were on the air because you mentioned one of your uh, Bitcoin oracles or somebody thought that Bitcoin could reach... To three hundred thousand dollars by the end of two thousand and twenty one and i don 't even think you finished the sentence and I said oh that 's just ridiculous, I mean because it was at eighteen thousand at the time, and that was what two and a half weeks ago, and now it 's at thirty thousand so uh, let's let 's revisit that prediction and explain why i 'm eating some crow right now <laughs>
5: well I mean listen we 're not there yet, I think that uh you know when you get into this we so we stumbled our our parent company is a technology company and we kind of stumbled into bitcoin because we had a customer who wanted to use our software but it was specifically around A cryptocurrency site and so we literally five years ago had no idea about bitcoin or any of this stuff and we slowly became more involved in it as we did more work for the customer and we became uh, i I think similar to the conversations we had uh, before starting this uh, interview is that you began to ask questions we didn't have a lot of answers, but we were very much curious uh, how all of this worked. And so getting into mining was like a, a further expansion into that. And w- when we did that, then we started looking at there is like almost a programmatic or systematic path that Bitcoin takes um, in, their, in its bull and bear cycles. And if you look at past history of when it starts pumping, um, you will see that there's usually anywhere between a 10 and a 20x jump from the previous all time high. And so prior to the big, the big bull run of 2016 2017, that high was $20,000, which we just smashed through um, here towards the end of 2020. Prior to that, the all time high was around $1,200. Um, so it's not crazy to think that um that you're gonna see the same type of jump now from 20k uh a 10 to 20x jump from here
2: you know i was wondering too i don't see it you know bitcoin out in the in the larger news sphere except generally in you know, in, in in the scale of, like, corporations. But something that came up the other day that, that finally made some sense to me was, and you've probably heard of it, was the, I think it's the Carolina Panthers. One of the players there is talking about receiving half of his $13 million salary in, in, in Bitcoin.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So you're seeing adoption on kind of cultural uh, points, like with, uh, I believe his name is Russell Okung. Yeah. And uh, he's been involved in, like, Bitcoin... Twitter for I want to say about the last year and a half. He be kind of became enthralled with it, engaged with the Bitcoin Twitter community, and they kind of just adopted him in terms of like helping them uh, you know, educating them on like what separates Bitcoin from the vast number of other cryptocurrency projects that are out there. And you know, he said it right from the beginning, I wanna get paid in Bitcoin. I think it was like a year and a half, two years ago. And uh yeah, he worked with a provider. Um, that we're very good friends with, uh, uh, a company called Strike with a uh, a gentleman named Jack Maulers, a young entrepreneur. And yeah, he's getting half his paycheck in Bitcoin. Now that's just a small, to me, that's just another small piece to the puzzle though because at the same time you hear that news coming out, there's story on the institutional side. So there's multiple large publicly traded companies that are taking their own cash reserves or their own treasuries and saying you know what our cash treasury should would be better served if we were investing in bitcoin wow. so there's a company called well the one of the oldest insurance companies in the united states mass mutual uh invested a hundred million dollars uh in their cash reserve into bitcoin because they felt there was a better investment uh, rather than just holding that money and watching it become worth less over a certain period of time with the U.S. dollar, uh, MicroStrategy has bought over 1.3 billion dollars worth of Bitcoin, um, and there are a number of others. Uh, Square,
2: which is a publicly traded company, which I'm sure we've all, you know, swiped our card on. At, yeah, I use coffee. them daily. Yeah, yeah. They've uh, they invested
5: 50 million dollars uh, and in, in bought Bitcoin. Now these guys aren't buying Bitcoin to trade. these these guys are buying bitcoin to hold and so what that when that happened all of these things happened in like the last four or five months It created a perfect storm because all of that liquidity had been taken off the market so you know there's not like there's infinite amount of bitcoin to be traded so when that you know when that those these are large amounts hundred thousand bitcoin at a time have been taken off the market uh that immediately creates a Um, you know kind of a demand rise in the price and that's kind of what we're seeing right now
0: okay i was i was going to ask what made it jump up because i was seeing that there was a, a correction as well that happened yesterday and so um which makes sense yeah bitcoin flash crash sees biggest price drop in cryptocurrency history but you'd expect that after the biggest hike I mean, a, a correction. This is, this is a correction, correct? I mean, from what, what you just explained, when you take that much out of the system and put that much into the system, that's that's when this becomes volatile. And, and now, anyway, that's how I look at it. I don't know. I'm uh, your your comment on the biggest crash in history after the biggest spike.
5: Yeah, I know. I know. I think that's just someone chasing clicks, uh, because anybody who's followed Bitcoin um, would realize that it it is in terms of trading. It is not for someone with, I would say, uh, you know, it, it takes some it takes some real
0: Mm, cojones yeah exactly
5: that's what i was thinking
0: grapefruits (laughs) (laughs) bowling balls
2: (laughs) it's extremely
5: extremely volatile so when i say we're we've entered into a bull market that is by no means saying that there are not going to be very very volatile swings that take place um and that has been true ever since you know i've gotten into bitcoin you know right you know 5 6 years ago uh so that thing yesterday that happened you know where it went down to like 29000 that happened like overnight so it was like i think it topped out at 34000 when i went to bed i wake up it's at 31000 but now i see all these like you know news releases in the morning oh bitcoin crashes because it you know went down to 29000 um and then it you know it just rebounds and now i think it's kind of stabilized at like 32 33 so um
2: yeah, you know, crash is
0: one of, of those noise. words
2: that you know okay. just gets people's attention. That's for sure. Yeah,
0: hey, exactly. exactly. Hey, Tom, I got hey. another question for you about sure. Bitcoin. I don't know if this is your area or if it's um, Marty Benz, who you do stuff with. I read his stuff all over uh, in, in the cryptocurrency Bitcoin world. I know you've got a relationship with him as well. Uh, Russia I see is getting into this business now the bit the Bitcoin um, energy mining you know uh, emission management that sort of that whole package where they're they' they're investing pretty heavy into this So are you following the, the Russian side of this?
5: Yeah Russian uh, yeah and in fact a, a Russian backed uh, oil and gas firm. One of the, I think it's one of the country's largest, uh, has you know recently launched a project similar to what we do here. I think the only difference, and this is where I was saying, is I think we're skating to where the puck is going. That Gazprom announcement was not so much around we're trying to curtail flaring because, as you may or may not know, uh, Russia for the most part, and most of the you know those countries, they don't care about their flaring. It's not a, it's not it's not a priority for them um, with their uh, with their policies. What they see this as is a way to get you to extract the most amount of value out of that molecule coming out of the ground. So they know that, you know, whatever they can get out of that uh, gas going into a pipeline is marginal as well It's it's decreasing in value. They know now that if they set up the infrastructure to mine Bitcoin, that that gas can be worth five to 10 X more than sending it into a pipeline. So I think that's the bigger story of
0: uh of that announcement i am i'm seeing quite a bit of news stories in the last week but specifically since the first of the year that is tying bitcoin and oil and gas together as far as the, the rationale and the reason for the surge um i just saw uh, this morning jp morgan is now looking at bitcoin at being 146,000 by the end of the year. I mean, so now you got the big guys coming in and saying, "Okay, what the 200 and 300,000 prediction is. That's crazy. It's going to be 150,000." <laughs> so it just but my point is the big guys are now even starting to say Bitcoin is looking like it's going to have a big year. Yeah,
5: and I mean, who knows, you know, the everyone's just reading tea leaves on that side of things if you go back and look at jp morgan's uh, track record um you know they basically poo-pooed bitcoin and called it a scam and a farce for the last six or seven years so i'm just glad that they're finally joining the party at this point
0: right <clears throat> yeah so that's, that's what made me kind of look at it is that if they're even starting to get on board and that's a big number by the way because i don't care what you are but if you have eighteen, twenty thousand dollars as your number and then a year later you're that's an incredible jump incredible jump i, I mean I, has that even been done before in gold or palladium or ro, ro, rhodesium tulips <laughs> back in holland tulips <laughs> oh don't go down the tulip train um, <laughs> yeah no
5: i i think i think you know yes it is um You know, there's an investor, uh, a macro investor. His name is Paul Tudor Jones, and last year he made some uh, a lot of headlines. I want to say back in like the springtime, actually, right, right, like when COVID was hitting, right when, you know, we were just going crazy with the Fed and printing all kinds of money. He came out and said, hey, look, um, I'm not a Bitcoin guy, but like the more and more I look at this from a currency perspective and as a money, a money angle this is a really interesting play because what you're getting with this, it's not, and you've touched on this with me before, um, Jason, is um, there is a certain element that Bitcoin is kind of a hybrid. It's kind of like a stock, even though it's not really a stock, uh, it's a currency. Um, there's this element that is digital gold because it's scarce, but then there's this other element that it's kind of its own network in and of itself. So <laughs> just like once, once, once Facebook achieved a certain size it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy because it achieves what they call network effects right it becomes viral and so um bitcoin and this is this was paul tudor jones rationale it's like it's still very early for bitcoin because not a lot of people have really adopted it. We've all kind of looked at it, especially for those of us who are older. I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer. I'm in my early forties. Um, you know, I kind of saw this when it was first coming out, but I really didn't give much thought to it because, you know, I grew up just like you, you, you both probably where, you know, we had traditional checkbooks and, and things like that. Well, our kids aren't growing up in that world. They're growing up in a digital world where it's digital first. So this kind of like crossing the chasm into this digital uh, currency world is not going to be as big of a jump as it was for us. And I think um, that that focus on what it's going to be from an adoption standpoint is that's where a lot of people are banking on this being like kind of the future in terms of, hey, this is how people interact from a currency perspective in the future, just like people believed in Amazon way back when, when, Jeff Bezos was just selling books out of a warehouse. Speechless. I know. It happens a lot with, with the early Bitcoiners.
0: Right. I was just kind of looking at this, um, different different headlines about the Bitcoin and oil and gas and, and that sort of thing. And um, there, was, there was one that was tying Bitcoin to video games. And that just put my quick, impromptu mind down a wormhole. And we'll have to schedule a... Another time, because I'd love to know how Bitcoin is going to work itself into the video game world, because of what you just said, that that generation is just so digitized right now that when you were talking, I was wondering, like, guy, I paid for cash the other night on my date. Does she, like, think I'm an old man now? Like, am I, like, the old man walking both ways uphill paying by cash? Well, no, I
2: mean, it's 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 absolutely right. My, my, my kids pay, <laughs> my, it's microtransactions, it's digital currency on their games. It's, that's cash what, app. Well, it's what they're familiar with. is Venmo. Is, is being able to just click and something moves. I, I just wonder, how does how does Bitcoin ever start to translate down to the common end user like me? You know, the, the guy that's that, that's not able to mine it. I'm never, probably ever going to necessarily own it. How does that affect most of us? Or is, the, is this the type of thing that'll only sort of be a... You know, there'll only be a small percentage of, of the society that's actually able to, to work with it. Or will there be maybe different cryptocurrencies? I just, I wonder what the future is. There are is. different cryptocurrencies. Uh, yeah, I've, I've read but, about some
0: um, uh, Tom, I wanted to ask one quick question and then go to Sterling's question is, you mentioned in the last interview that you can break crypto, uh, Bitcoin into different denominations. So you don't have to buy one bitcoin for twenty thousand thirty thousand dollars what is that breakdown because i think that might lead into even uh sterling's question of how the average person can even get involved to care about what's going on with bitcoin because whether we like it or not you know sim is happening right before our eyes so uh what's the denomination breakdown on bitcoin
5: sure so uh, there's what i'm and, and, and probably you probably have seen this uh term a satoshi um that's kind of the affectionate term that people use for a fraction of a bitcoin um so that's usually i think one one millionth i'm probably butchering that i didn't get to look it up quick enough um but <laughs> you, that's you know like th- there's a term that uh, you mentioned marty uh bent who's on our team he's uh runs BizDev for us uh he has an extremely popular probably one of the top three bitcoin podcasts called tales from the crypt and he coined a term uh no uh, pun intended uh about a year (laughs) and a half ago called stacking sats which is short for uh you know satoshis and yeah that is uh one yeah one million of a bitcoin and so uh that's kind of you know you could go i think it's on 16 digits so yes you do not have to own a full bitcoin and you don't have to spend a full bitcoin uh so it's uh you know there's actually a lot
0: of it when you kind of realize that you could spend a fraction of a bitcoin um, and then kind of going off sterling's question too do you ever see a day where there'll be an amazon integration or an atm or something along the or you go to the bank and you say hey you know give me Forty-seven dollars out of my Bitcoin fund, you know, and I did notice uh, Cash App has got a Bitcoin yeah. uh, function on there. I thought so PayPal did as well. It, it probably does. I yeah. haven't seen it, but it, I'm starting to notice this this hybrid of almost like Bitcoin's going to become. It's going to win out. It's going to become, it, Hey, Betamax, screw, screw <laughs> you, man. VHS is coming in.
5: Yeah, um, all of those services have existed for a while now um like you know there are bitcoin atms cash app has probably one been one of the main drivers for uh bitcoin adoption in terms of uh kind of creating a uh, an open platform where any now this gets to sterling's question in regards to hey what is the common man uh, or everyday guy what can he do with it well what's great about bitcoin right now is um large for the most part large hedge funds and institutional players like fidelity etc even though they're they've been researching this they have stayed away from bitcoin because there's not a easy way for them to buy this um on the stock market so what that's actually allowed to, to happen is that everyday joes have been able to go on these apps like cash app or coinbase even though i wouldn't recommend them there's a number of them to go buy bitcoin and you can hold that bitcoin yourself and uh you yourself become your essentially your own bank and that's a really like once you realize the i wouldn't say the power of it uh it's more of uh, there's an empowering aspect to when you realize that no one can take that from you uh that bitcoin from you so like once you hold that bitcoin in your own custody no one can come steal it no one can force it from you uh they can't come into your bank account and say oh we made a uh you know uh, an error in our ledger and uh you actually owe us $300 so it doesn't happen um and so i think in the future uh the the early adopters for bitcoin were very much so regular joe's um and which is kind of the opposite right like in the stock market the people who usually get in last are the public when all of the insiders have gotten their early shares and they've, they've gotten rich in, in, in investing in these companies um, early on, and then it goes into the you know, public IPO and, and they get to cash out and then we get, the, we get the pittance after that. Bitcoin is actually the opposite in that sense.
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny you, the way you were just mentioning it. It, it made me think about um, uh, that Panther. Uh, what was his name? Russell um, Akung? Yeah. yeah. I just read a quote from him that, that makes perfect sense along those lines. He said, when we are all paid in Bitcoin, no one can tell us what to do with the value we create. And that's that's what it sounds like you're saying is it's when you own, when you hold a Bitcoin, it's there. it can't be counterfeited. It can't be stolen. It can't be devalued. It's It's yours, right? It's you right. you have it, so you have the value okay
5: yeah and and like one of the things I, I I would always recommend people to do uh in regards to this uh this topic is you know educate yourself uh there was the story of Bitcoin is very well chronicled there's a a pseudonymous developer named Satoshi Nakamoto who was. Uh, we no one knows who he is. Uh, by the way, we do not believe he's actually Japanese, uh, and we don't believe that he goes by that name. Um, but this was a result or a reaction of him being fed up by uh, the ruling class, banking elite, in the central bankers of the world, essentially, uh, you know, ruining things. And this was when he created Bitcoin. It was a direct result from the 2008 financial meltdown. Um, and so, if there's any you know, if there's any, like... Uh, and I would recommend reading his white paper. Uh, that white paper is only about eight pages long, and although you can kind of glaze over it at first because there are some big words, he was, he was a genius. One of the things that he created in this, uh, you know, in this program was he created a way to solve what they call the Byzantine generals uh, problem or theory. And that meant um, he created a way for... It to be impossible for there to be an double spent digitally. So, like with dollars, you can do that. Like I you know I can hand you a physical dollar, and we have that transaction, and you can't go back and say, "Oh, I never got that dollar," because right? you have the dollar in your hand. You know the transaction took place, and it's yours now. I can't magically come back and like teleport and take that dollar back out of your hand. In digital spaces. That problem has always been an issue because there—that means there always has to be a central authority in between the two people exchanging. That actually is the one who's the arbiter of sorts, right? Like, so that's why if you ever get paid via PayPal, you realize that PayPal is the one who actually has the power in that send because PayPal can reach right back into your bank account and take that money back if they deem so. With Bitcoin, with the way that he set, the way that he designed things from a cryptographic or crypto uh, cryptographic standpoint which is what you know u.s military uses um to encode our encryption he created a way where that that is not possible to go back and create double spends because then that value wouldn't be there anymore because you could say oh well I, you know you don't actually hold that well all these miners are saying i do and they're the ones who are the ones that determine if this is real or not Which is all publicly verifiable, which I think is another interesting component to Bitcoin that is kind of missed in terms of, um, you know, in terms of like it being an important thing. It's kind of like a low key thing. But the fact is, is that anybody anywhere can access the network, look at all the transactions and it is completely auditable. And transparent from that standpoint, and I think you know, after seeing what we've gone through this year, and then globally, like what's going on from a macroeconomic standpoint, and you hear about all these, you know, the, the Enrons and all this other stuff with fraudulent accounting and stuff like that. Um, this very open and transparent ledger system, which is basically what Bitcoin really is when you when you strip down all the, the fancy things around it, that's what it is. It's very simple. And it does one thing very well in, in that regard.
0: Tom Cerro is our guest. He is great American mining company on our Swan Energy phone lines. We better revert back to oil and gas here as we kind of wrap up. Two questions. One, we got to make sure we give you an opportunity to plug your business and how people can get in touch with you if they want to learn more about how to reap the rewards that bitcoin is bringing certain operators right now out in the bakken and but first of all i wanted to ask you about the natural gas prices and bitcoin prices and just how those two work together um natural gas you know has been pretty low and bitcoin's been kind of up and down and and that sort of thing and does one have to do with another or are they just just their own entities on the side and it's just the cost of doing business on one side and fluctuating markets on the other side
5: yeah i think they're completely independent at this point there's not enough volume being mined via natural gas at this point i think though that in the future what you'll see is you know i i I believe that natural gas because of where we are in this country and the amount of natural gas that we're sitting on will continue to trend price wise lower and lower um just because of the sheer amount of volume that we have, and so for Bitcoin miners, that's like rocket fuel for us. Because if we can get a pot, we can get a power source that continually will decline in value. It's better for us because um, that's the race that Bitcoin miners are constantly in competition with: is who can have the cheapest cost of production, power production, to mine a Bitcoin. Those are the ones. It's kind of you know. Uh, ruthless capitalism at its best. And I think the people who are best positioned to mine Bitcoin at the cheapest cost per, for uh, power production uh, long term will be uh, people using natural gas.
0: Is that kind of the idea behind the headline of uh, Russian energy giant mines Bitcoin with free energy is because it's natural gas is what the free energy is? Yeah, I think
5: the free energy thing is a little bit of a uh, uh, some clickbait because we know that it's not. You you think
0: it's it's a little bit (laughs) of sensationalism? (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
5: absolutely, absolutely. But the people who are most incentivized to mine Bitcoin with that gas are the actual owners of that mineral, and to them, it's a very. It's I, I would think for you know those Russians or a oil and gas producer in the United States, it's a simple um binary decision can this gas going into this weird box make more money for me than sending it into a pipeline that's how ultimately the decision that i think we want producers to know that they have they don't realize that right now they think hey this is how it works it goes into a pipeline i pay these midstream providers i get a marginal return back and it's always decreasing That's just the life of the world. I make most of my money on my oil, so therefore I can deal with, you know, the gas. It's kind of like, you know, the the redheaded stepchild of the the shale industry. (laughs) We believe that it can be ultimately um, the diamond of the the oil and gas industry.
0: I'm just having a great idea, which we're going to have to have you back so we can discuss the fine-tuning of this, but I mean, I don't know if it's a public-private partnership or what it might be, but... If there's a way that we can mine Bitcoin from the flared gas and then also get Bitcoin to the mineral owners, that'd be cool. That'd be really cool because right now nobody's getting anything.
5: Right, right. When it flares, they do not get anything, which doesn't help out anybody, doesn't help out the tax revenue, doesn't help out the mineral rights holders doesn't help out the producers or whoever's financing those producers
0: um but but if the state could kick in some money and say you know what okay mineral owner flared gas people you can have x amount of dollars in in dollars but it's not very much or you can have bitcoin at the value of what the gas is or whatever you know whatever it is but make it incentivize bitcoin is what i'm getting at that would be kind of cool wouldn't it
5: I'll take it one step further it's something that I've thought about uh, quite a bit and um, this is a little bit of a you know kind of uh, opening up a little bit of a I wouldn't say a secret but and maybe this will elicit some feedback here I believe that the best incentive specifically for oil and gas producers and for Bitcoin adoption would be it would be to somehow create some type of um, fund that would be similar to the permanent fund that alaska has from their oil and gas revenue uh in a similar way with bitcoin i and somehow tie that incentive into uh for producers who would be who would be flaring instead um so yes i think that would be
0: that would would be be interesting yeah because the only obstacle i can think of right off the top of my head is we have this issue in north dakota which is um, a lot of state constitutions have it where they can't give direct payments to people. And because of that, they, they always have to give it to the businesses and that sort of thing. In Alaska, it's it's they, they, they have it in the Constitution. Where they have like something, $70 million before they started, went ahead and did that. So they had a big, or billion or something. They had a big number. Um, anyway, I just recently learned all this. So it's this kind of news. But your idea is there. And at the end of the day, what we need to do is figure out a way to get people educated on this because what I've seen from a journalistic standpoint is the more people become educated on Bitcoin and what it does and how it empowers the individual, they, they, they stick around. I mean, they might not buy it, but they keep watching it and they keep dreaming about it and trying to figure out how they can do it. So uh just kind of in conclusion talk about how energy companies can get in touch with you and how you know the average person can even dip their toe in it if you wouldn't mind
5: sure yeah Uh, for oil and gas producers we suggest that you uh, contact us through our website which is www.gam.ai for great american mining we have a new tool that i think we mentioned the last time uh, we chatted which is what we affectionately refer to as gas to hash, uh, and that term hash is the term of the computing it's the computing power that these Bitcoin mining machines, uh, that, that's what it's called. So we have a calculator on our website that allows an oil and gas producer or a mineral rights owner to go on, put in the gas volume that they have, their net back margins of what they're currently getting, and then it compares their revenue derived from what they're currently getting to what they could be getting. If they're mining Bitcoin with it, so uh, it's been pretty popular, um, and we believe that, uh, you know, in terms of education, we we don't we don't want to be a black box solutions company, and just say trust us, you know, you, you just sit back and do what you do. We believe that um, the more oil and gas producers or, or anybody in the oil and gas value chain understand. You know the bigger picture of 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 what what's going on here, uh, the better it is not only for Bitcoin, but I would say even for our country when it comes from like an energy independent standpoint and a greater wealth um, standpoint for for areas of our country that are usually forgotten.
1: To listen to the full length interview, visit thecrudelife.com.
3: When you build a bridge and I hammer on the
1: harmony. We will need a mighty fine melody. We will in the rhyme and rhythm to code each
0: note and every
1: measure. Together we will make a rich living, phrasing and composing new lyrical treasure. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by
0: If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases and they may buy yours too.
1: Give them a call today. The Crude Life with host Jason Speece
0: My name is Jason
1: Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On
0: today's episode, we talk with Sean Forbes with oil field sourcing about some of the activities happening in the oil and gas industry. This is Sean Forbes with oil field sourcing on the Crude Life Daily Update. So
6: oil field sourcing is basically an oil and gas directory For businesses to promote their services. Um, we also have events, so I don't personally have any events, but I advertise all of the oil and gas events happening across the U S my website also hosts the entire North American oil and gas industry. Um, but I haven't really reached out to uh, our friends in, in the North quite yet. Um, so, But if you're looking for an oil and gas event, uh, whether it be you know, a clay shoot or a volunteer event or a fundraiser, we have really nice raffles right now for rifles, um, separator equipment. You can uh, log on to the events page and see what's going on. The website is pretty self-sufficient. It, it's automated by the user, so I don't have to be the middleman for Posting events or business listings, um, just go to oilfieldsourcing.com/slash/advertise with us. There'll be a menu of options including um, business listings, uh, event options, classifieds. Companies can post surplus equipment for sale. Uh, they can also uh, post articles for free, and uh, there are some banner options available on the website. So if you'd like to create a, a banner for your company, you can choose that option as well. Events are free to post. Articles are free to post. Uh, Articles, I really suggest to companies it drives traffic to people's uh, business listings. Um, Business listings start at free and then go up um, very low cost annually depending on the types of features that companies would like with their their listing.
0: To listen to the full-length interview with Sean Forbes with Oilfield Sourcing or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're there, be sure to check out our ever-growing army of social media energy enthusiasts at thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media page and we've got the YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, even a LinkedIn account, folks. That's thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life.
1: The Crude Life is sponsored in part by...
0: It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out industrialforest.com. That's industrialforest.com. Play hard,
1: work hard. Oh, you build a bridge and I'll hammer on the hard.
0: A fine melody. We'll we
1: will ready the rhyme
0: rhythm code each note in every measure.
1: Together we will make a rich living. Phrasing and composing new lyrical treasures.
0: Because we're back to the way. with Jason Speece. Thank you for joining the program today.
5: If you want to look at America, you go to Permian in the bottom. And, and that's what America should be united as one, and that's exactly what we are. And, and then you know that's what I love about the oil and gas industry. One county in Kansas, one single county, produced nine percent of the world's oil. That was the oil that won World War One, as the British said from the floor of Parliament. The Allies floated
2: to victory on a sea of oil.
3: Works picked up here in the Permian Basin.
2: Yeah, leadership really needs to take a look at how we've been doing things and constantly make changes in how we can do things better.
5: Commodities are always, 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 any commodity business, whether it's milk or whether it's oil or whether it's apples, they always are boom or bust because the solution to low prices is high prices, the solution to high prices is, you know, is high prices. It's a big issue. You know, it's kind of red riding hood syndrome here. People making out the industry to be the big bad wolf.
3: And on top of that, you know, you would get a nice increase in pay, as I'm sure most of us all know when you move to oil field areas you get a a nice little bump in pay after him and i having five margaritas over at the cork and pig i called my boyfriend and i was like hey do you want to move to texas and he was like yeah when when are we moving (laughs) and honestly we moved about a month after that
1: this oil and gas industry i've met some of the best people i've ever met in my life doing this